It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me, and this is going to be a really amazing show. I'll introduce my guest shortly. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I typically do this every single week. As I celebrate the second anniversary of the release of my book, The Greatest Lessons I Learned From My Dad, I'm reflecting some of the greatest lessons that I learned from him. Number one, you can do anything you set your mind to. If you really want to achieve something and if you have the skill set, the drive, and the resources to make it happen, you will eventually reach your goal. Number two, do whatever it takes. If you really want something, you will find a way. And number three, keep your commitments. I had accepted a summertime job in college, and then a week or two, I was presented with an opportunity that sounded like way more fun. When I told my parents that I was taking the other job instead, dad said, uh, no, you're not. You already made a commitment, and they made their plans, so you are working there instead. So I worked at the first place and had a great summer, and the footnote to that is I did the other thing the following summer instead, and I had fun there too. There are so many more lessons that I learned from my dad since he passed, and I miss him every single day, but I had to write that book after he passed because I had to memorialize him somehow. When we do lose a loved one, it's very important to reflect on what we learned, and in fact, we're going to discuss ways to process what to do when we experience such a loss on the show today. So my very special guest is Dr. Betsy Guerra. Let me tell you about her. She's a bilingual psychotherapist, international speaker, and author. She emerged from personal tragedy as a beacon of hope and healing, and she endured the unimaginable loss of her daughter. And in that process, she found the strength and transformed her pain into a mission to empower others. Combining her clinical psychology background with deep spirituality, she helps people rise above adversities, build fulfilling relationships, and embrace, and embrace purpose-driven lives. Her two-decade-long career has touched thousands, inspiring her to found the Faith-Based Coaching Academy, training and certifying others to lead with compassion and confidence. And she has been on many outlets globally, and she continues to elevate humanity through her platform, Better With Betsy. And I cannot wait to explore and unravel all that we have to talk about today. So, Dr. Betsy Guerra, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. I am I am fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful. Fantastic. I'm very happy to be here. Wonderful. So, the first question I love to ask is, did you envision early on that you would be where you are right now? Brian, when you lose life as you knew it, when mm -hmm. you when you lose a daughter you mm -hmm. don't think it's possible to to even smile much less be happy or successful mm -hmm. again you so did i did i think this was possible the moment i experienced this loss no there was a lot of darkness and pain and hopelessness and fear and yes in some way because ultimately we have a choice 
So although at the moment I did not think it was possible, I could not see it, I could not visualize it, I knew by faith that something had to happen for me to rise above it because it's not sustainable to be in that darkness and hopelessness. It's, you know, I, I remember having a moment the night that my daughter passed, like I, I, went, I went home from the hospital without her and I managed to go to sleep somehow in my other daughter's room, which mm-hmm. shared with her. And mm-hmm. I, I suddenly found myself on the bathroom floor on fetal position, rocking back and forth, trying to rip my head off like a mm-hmm. deranged woman mm-hmm. because reality was unbearable. Yeah. So when you experience that, you you can't sustain it because it, it's, it's, it's too painful. So I did yeah. not think I was going to be where I'm at and I was hoping I would somehow. Yeah, for sure. So what did your path look like prior to what you're doing right now? There was a whole process of grieving that we'll certainly explore during the show, but career-wise, what were you doing before this? I already had my doctorate and private practice. I Mm -hmm. had been in practice for, at the time, for three, well, I had been in practice for um, 13 years at the time, but I had had my own business for three years I I went back to work three weeks later with, I don't know, I, I attribute it to the grace of God, but, you know, with, with the people supporting me, the tools that I had in my toolbox, clinically speaking, and, and especially with my faith, I, I went back and I was yeah. scared that I would look at other people and think like, really, that's all you have? That's mm-hmm. what you're worried about? Like, I lost my daughter, right? Like, I, yeah. thought, I was scared that it would rob me of my empathy. And what I learned, which I would love to share with your audience, is pain is pain. And I knew pain. And mine was due to a circumstance, the circumstance of losing my daughter. But the emotion is the same for me, for you, and for all of you listening to me. So what I learned when I went back to work was that I, I understood them and empathized even more deeply with them because I, I knew I, I experienced pain. So, so when, if you're listening and you're thinking like, oh, I shouldn't feel this because my pain is not as worse, as bad as hers, or, or mine is worse than yours, don't compare because right. ultimately pain is pain. The mm-hmm. emotion is the same across the board. Yeah, yeah. And it's really not right for us to compare our pain with someone else's because we we don't know. We, we don't know what that other person is going through. We don't, don't know the the choices they made. We don't know how they chose to process it. Some people heal a lot faster than others. And yeah, I mean, when when we lost my dad two and a half years ago, I cried almost every day for six weeks, multiple times a day. And I did all that, a lot of that in private, I promise. But uh, yeah, it was hard. But let me also ask, did you find that the the idea of going back to work was really therapeutic for you, though, in some sense? Um, work before then had been my time off Mm -hmm. because I had four back-to-back kids. So going to work was like, I don't have to change diapers and wash little clothes for this time. And I can use my mind in a purposeful way. So, so my, my career was started as, as my purpose and my, and my, my passion Mm -hmm. going back to work. 
was for me at the time was more about my responsibility for my people mm. than it was about it being therapeutic. Because in on the one hand, it is hard to be exposed to more pain, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know about it being therapeutic, but mm-hmm. I I do believe it heightened my sense of purpose and yeah. and ultimately it evolved into me choosing to honor my daughter not through suffering, just like you're doing, Brian, mm-hmm. like with your dad, not through mm-hmm. suffering and misery. Sometimes we measure love through tears, but rather honoring my daughter through service, gratitude, and love. So my career evolved into it, it was already a my passion and my mission, but it evolved into the way I honor my daughter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what did your early experiences in life teach you the most about entrepreneurship? Because you're an entrepreneur too. You know, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. I, I, I didn't experience that in my family. I didn't know it was a possibility for me. I, I just thought like, you know, you find the job, but funny enough, my, daughter in heaven is the one who introduced me to entrepreneurship because she like when she was born I wanted to have the time to breastfeed and do all these things so getting my own business and having my own practice I believed was going to allow me to to have the time to be with her so I just I took the leap of faith So Mm -hmm. I guess what the thing that prepared me wasn't so much having witnessed it in my life as much as it was my clarity and intention and purpose. Like I I knew I wanted to be present for my children. They inspired me to be the best mom I could be. And I also wanted to use my God-given gifts to serve and elevate humanity. Right. We've got a couple of minutes until our first break. What makes women really good at entrepreneurship? We're fierce, Brian. I feel like we're we're relentless. We are we're courageous. I think there's a lot of courage and vulnerability, and women tend to be more connected and and okay with vulnerability. And so then we're when we experience hard emotions or unpleasant emotions like fear, which is something that is very present in entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. we, we, we engage, embrace it, and we go anyway. So I think confidence, the, the relentlessness, the, you know, the thing, the very thing that makes us amazing moms, right? Like we're, we're in charge of a little being and mm-hmm. we're going to protect them at any cost. I think when you think of your business as, as, as that baby, you also uh, become mama bear and you just persevere yeah. through the adversity. Yeah, absolutely. We've got about a minute and a half. Uh, what is the highest value skill anyone can develop? I think spirituality, most definitely. Connecting with your, your greatness, connecting with your intuition, connecting with God. I call him God, but other people call it universe intuition. I think being being connected to that greatness within and that higher power within makes you make success inevitable. Yeah, for sure. We are coming up against our first break. My very special guest is Dr. Dr. Betsy Guerra, and we are going to talk about her book, Hurt to Hope, 
after this, and we'll talk about what inspired to write her to write this, and I'm sure we can already guess if you heard the first segment, and we're going to explore the topic of grieving. We'll talk about anxiety. We'll talk about entrepreneurship and so much more when we come back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. Can't wait to explore this with all of you when we come back. Please stay with us. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. According to a Gallup poll, 56% of Americans want to lose weight. Most of us know that muscle burns more calories than fat. So when you're trying to lose weight, you want to lose body fat while preserving the muscle you have. Lifting weights while you're losing weight is not an option, it's a requirement. According to a Penn State study, when dieters don't pump iron, 22% of their weight loss comes from losing muscle. So if you lose 20 pounds without lifting weights, almost five pounds will be muscle. Upping your protein intake is important. And Columbia University researchers found that protein intake plays a significant role in preserving lean muscle mass during weight loss. Preserve your muscle as you drop the body fat. I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Dr. Betsy Guerra. And we're talking about grieving and processing what it's like to lose a loved one. We're talking about entrepreneurship. We're going to talk about a lot of great things. But first, if you've not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please do that. It would mean a lot to me if you left a five-star review. That would mean even more. We have well over 200 five-star reviews on the show, and I'm so happy and grateful for all of you that continue to listen and support what we're doing here at Success Profiles Radio. So, Betsy, let's talk about your book, Hurt to Hope. Tell us what inspired you to actually write the book. We all know the circumstance that happened, but when was that decision that you felt like you needed to write about it? I was writing another book, Brian. I was writing, I, I used to be known as the couple's whisperer here in Miami or South Florida because mm -hmm. I did a lot of work with marriages. And 
I was writing a book on a concept that I created and trademark called Fuse, which explains why conversations end before they start. It was all about interactions, communications, at a like the missing piece of communication, if you will, to create enhanced and fulfilling relationships. And when I went to one of my book um, like mentors, she said, you know, you need to start with your story. I'm like, no, no, no. My story has nothing to do with communication and relationships. And she's like, but it does, because most people don't make it after such a loss and you have such an incredible relationship and marriage. You need to tell the world about it. I'm like, mm, that'll be another book. Not right now. And she insisted and I ultimately obey when the universe or God like call me to do something. So I started in the introduction to the book that I had already started writing on for couples. And I stayed, I stayed. And the reason I stayed with this book or the reason I felt compelled to continue this project was number one, I had already experienced a lot of people in my private practice who were coming to me because they were like, I saw you when you were down in the dumps. I was watching you. I was I was paying attention and I know that you were suffering, but I see your joy and you're so happy. And like, I want to know how, how do you go from hurt or excruciating pain to hope and ultimately to happy? How do you yeah. go from hurt to hope? And and people were coming more and more. I I. I I created a team because I couldn't see everybody that was coming to see me at my practice. And I created an online program for people experiencing this. And I and I realized like people desire to know how. How do you rise above adversity? How do you go from hurt to hope? And a way of creating something that would allow me to share that message with the world, not just on one-on-ones or group settings, was through the book. That's number one. But number two, and probably most importantly, I honor my daughter through service, love, and gratitude. Mm -hmm. And this book was the gift that I was going to give my daughter who needed nothing from me. So it was my way of honoring her, but it was also my way of of continuing her legacy and, and keeping her memory alive because in the measure that I tell her story and it survives me, then then her memory will live on, right? Like it won't need me. Right. And, and it also, it's, it, there's a lot of purpose in this book. So it, it's a, it was a way of, of honoring her. It was a way of serving our community and it was mm-hmm. a way of gifting myself to the yeah. people. Are- did writing this help you heal? I imagine it probably did. I'm sure it probably uncovered a lot of things that you didn't even know were there. I started writing this book three up three years after I lost my daughter, and I yeah. thought Brian, I had I thought I had done all the work, and I mm. I was in a great place, and I and I have so much joy and peace in my heart, and I, I the book was just to honor my daughter and to serve others. It was not to heal. Yeah. What I found, however, is that when you were I believe there's always like a double blessing when you're serving because you're doing something from for someone else, but it always ends up serving you in somehow, in some way. So when I started reading, writing the book, I started with the story mm. and the story of loss was very traumatic because it was an accident and it was sudden and, 
you know, it, it was excruciating. You can read more about it in the book. Yeah. So when I, when I started writing all the details and revisiting what happened, how it happened, I realized that what I had healed was the pain of loss, but I had not healed how mm -hmm. it happened and everything that that trauma exacerbated within me. So yes, as I was writing, it was the hardest thing I had ever done, probably even harder than going through the grief originally because it was, it was revisiting it and it was, yeah. it was excruciating, Brian. So, sure. so that very pain healed me because feeling is healing. And mm -hmm. especially when you're feeling with intention. So yes, writing the book and going, revisiting that pain allowed me to open wounds that weren't fully healed and heal them in the yeah. process. I love that you talked about using pain to heal because you you have to let it out. And I think sometimes we tend to, like I mentioned before, we tend to maybe judge or compare that someone grieves differently than I do. Therefore, somehow they're wrong. They're not wrong. So how how can we use that pain to heal? Because some people just wallow in that pain and just don't ever do anything with it, right? Absolutely. And that's a choice, too. We think that's yeah. we think it's what happened, but it's a choice. So the day after losing my daughter, I was sitting in my walk-in closet with my husband, hiding from the crowd of people who were there supporting us. And the priest who baptized my children came to visit. So we welcomed him into our little secret hiding place. And he sat with us on the floor. And my husband asked him, Father, you've seen this before. Is it possible to be happy again? Can we be happy again? And the priest said, some people are and some people are never happy again. And my husband, my husband asked, like, what's the difference? The people who are never happy again are those who choose to honor their loved ones through tears, through suffering, mm. through pain, which is what comes naturally. So the, they cannot allow themselves to move forward. The more they grieve, the more they loved. If they are mm. happy one day, they forgot about him. And I felt that too. There were moments that I'm like, oh, I didn't think about her today. Am I forgetting her? So they're honoring through tears and pain. Mm -hmm. And then the people who are happy again choose to honor in a different way through love, service, gratitude. And at that moment, I chose, I decided. And when you decide, decide comes from the word decidere, which means to remove all other possibilities. So when you decide that you're going to be happy again, you will be happy again and you will be guided towards that place of joy. It's not coming immediately unfortunately but but when you when you open up to the possibility you vibrate at a at a frequency that allows you to be guided towards that possibility so yeah go ahead uh, no i I'm, I'm just agreeing with you so how do we rise above adversity whether I, I never ask <laughs> <laughs> i mean whether it's whether it's processing something like this or whether something really terrible happens to us in our business adversity takes a lots of different shapes and forms right so how do we absolutely how do we rise absolutely. above that we yeah. think of grief and we think of people someone dying but the truth is we we all grieve and every day and especially as an entrepreneur yeah whether it's because you lost uh, a sale or a sale, or you lost your your quarterly plan or your dream plan or you lost life as you knew or you lost a person like we're always experiencing loss and if you experience loss you experience grief 
So the way to rise above adversity is through the faith formula. So let me go through this real quick because I know we have very few minutes left before our next break. The faith formula is an acronym and the F stands for fertilizing, feeling the fertilizing pain. So when you allow yourself to feel the pain, you are healing it because pain is the path through to healing and joy. It's not the destination. And we treat pain as the destination. We want to avoid it and don't get rid of it. And we don't want to don't cry and be strong. And, and for as long as you avoid it, you're going to avoid healing as well because mm -hmm. feeling is healing. So what I tell people is view pain as a fertilizer. Fertil mm -hmm. What are fertilizers made of? Uh the mm -hmm. stuff that you don't need poop. anymore in your body. <laughs> Fertilizers are made of poop. Pain yep. feels like crap, Brian. Mm -hmm. It feels like it, just the, like the fertilizer. But what do fertilizers do? They strengthen us. They make us stronger. They give us fruit. They build resilience. And the same is true for pain. So that's the F. Mm -hmm. The A is acceptance. Acceptance is when we welcome what is as is. We don't have to like it. We don't have to agree with it but we welcome it. It is what it is, they say. So the idea of acceptance is to remove the resistance, which often causes more pain than the original cause of the pain itself. Mm -hmm. when, when I was saying like, it wasn't supposed to be this way. I was supposed to be able to accomplish these goals and these numbers for my business. My daughter was supposed to bury me. Like all these, you know, I was supposed to be with my husband forever and we were in the middle of the, the, a divorce. Like whatever your adversity is, Accept what is as is, because for as long as you continue to deny it and reject it and resist it, you're using your limited energy to mm -hmm. fight it. And last time I checked, when we fight reality, we lose. Mm -hmm. The I stands for interpretation, and that's when life is neutral. Everything is, is an interpretation. So if you interpret something as negative, then that's what it's going to be. If you interpret it as positive, that's what it's going to be too. So at some point, I interpreted this loss as as I'm never going to be happy again. And then I chose to reframe it as I am the chosen mother of an angel and I am going to rise above this and be better for it. That's reinterpreting. The T in, in faith stands for team. Surround yourself by the people who are going to elevate you. And the H is for habits. Engage in daily rituals and practices that support and elevate you so that you can focus on healing while your habits are supporting your day-to-day. -day. Perfect, we're up against our break. We'll be back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. 
you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. We're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Dr. Betsy Guerra, and we are talking about her book, Hurt to Hope. We're talking about healing and grieving the loss of a loved one. And we're going to continue that discussion right now. And if you have not subscribed to Ultimate Achievers Magazine, you can go to ultimateachieversmagazine.com and read the current issue. It's a monthly digital magazine. You can pick your subscription option. You can see what's going on there. And if you read one issue every week, you would take over a year to read everything that's there. So lots and lots of content. Go to ultimateachieversmagazine.com. So, Betsy, let me ask you, because this can be really, really awkward when we're encountering someone who's grieving. What do you say to them? You you, you can't always legitimately say, I know how you feel, because that's not always true. And you don't you don't you don't want to always say what they want to hear because you don't know what they want to hear. What do you say? It's hard. Yes. And I have a lot of content on YouTube about this. Oh, good. But I but I but allow me by sharing that that's probably the worst question we ask ourselves what do i say because when you focus on what to say you're missing what matters most which is how to connect how to feel what to transfer to that person in front of ours so that we can show support Mm -hmm. When we focus on what to say, we say all the wrong things. So let me mm -hmm. share some things not to say. Okay. Oh, you know, now God, you know, haven't gained an angel. Well, heaven has enough angels, I would think. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, you're so strong. Like, what? wait, what? I'm strong because I lost my daughter? Like, screw you. I don't want to be strong then. Mm -hmm. Or you got to be strong for your other kids. Like, screw you. You tried doing it too, right? Like, so, mm -hmm. so or, you know, or. Or at least you have three other children. Oh, that's my favorite. Oh, that's that's the worst thing you can say. Yes, at least you have others, you know. And, and there's so many things that we say with the intent of yeah. supporting and making the other person feel better. But what's really happening, Brian, mm -hmm. is that we are uncomfortable with pain. So, so being in front of someone who's experiencing that pain is we don't know what to do with it because what we want is solve it so that we don't feel uncomfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And what the other person needs is to feel it because feeling is healing. Yeah. Therefore, you wanting to solve them, make them feel better, reframe it for them when they're not ready for that yet is mm -hmm. actually it going against what you're desiring to do. So my yeah. invitation is that Instead of trying to, that you become aware of how uncomfortable you are when someone's crying in front of you or when someone's grieving or experiencing this pain, 
And with that awareness that you show up anyway and you hold space, that you be there, that you be present. And maybe what you say is, I don't know what to say, but I'm here. Or what you say is nothing and you give that person a hug or you show them with your facial expressions. I feel you and I'm here and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like so, so saying the right thing isn't as important as showing up. Because mm-hmm. what happens is that because we're so scared of pain and, and adversity that we reject it and we try to change it and we try to resolve it. Mm-hmm. And that's what causes the feeling of they're not supporting me. Or, or even when you ignore it. I have people who have told me like, yeah, my, you know, my mother-in-law calls me to talk about the weather when, when I, and I feel like I'm not being acknowledged. Like, do you realize I'm grieving here? Yeah. Do you realize I just lost someone I love? Like, I don't care about mm-hmm. the weather right now. So, right. so I would say just hold space. Yeah. Would asking that person, how can I help love and serve you right now? What, what do you need? Is that helpful? Yes. And so, yes, that's, that's helpful. But when you're in the, in a, when you're grieving and it's raw, mm-hmm. you can't think, you, right. you can't think like all your energy is, is focused on trying to make it through the day. So thinking about what you can do to me may feel like a task to me. Yeah, so I okay. would say, get creative and maybe use someone in that person's life that has access to them on a daily basis and communicate with that person instead and ask, what can I do for them or come up with ideas? And I'll give you some examples. Um, Listen, I'm going to, you don't even ask. I'm going to send you dinner today or I'm doing a food chain so that you don't have to worry about cooking for the next month, for example. Mm -hmm. And then they can say like, no, I don't want that. Right. But you're not putting another decision on them Right now, the decision of getting out of bed is a hard one. So yeah. asking them, you know, what can I do for you? I don't know. Bring my husband, my daughter back, my husband back, my, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know. Right. So and at that moment, it really feels like there's nothing you can do for me to feel mm-hmm. better. So being creative and the food chain or or sending the cleaning lady so they don't have to worry about that or offering carpool for the kids to and from school or, or to the yeah. birthday parties on the weekend or something that I thought was beautiful that we recently did for someone who lost her husband was we went to put the Christmas lights, decorate their house for Christmas because the husband is the one who would put up the lights outside. So then a group of men got together, of his friends got together and they they brought Christmas to their life and to, to their house. And, and it was a surprise for the kids and it was a beautiful way of supporting. And I've known of people who have done this every year ever since it's become mm-hmm. a tradition where they go and decorate the house for Christmas. So yeah, there's an opportunity to, to be yeah. creative and offer something so yeah. that then instead, you know, they can go from somewhere and be like, well, not that, but if you're willing to do that, then you you're willing to do this other thing. So, so yeah. yes, it's a great question, but you get to be a little more creative and specific. So here's something that maybe not a lot of people would ask what if that loss was a miscarriage because the baby hasn't been born yet i'm sure the woman processes that loss way differently than the man does and way differently than the family members who never got to meet the baby what happens then i what a great question brian because i feel that women who experience miscarriages are not seen and supported with the same grace as someone like me who lost her daughter who was already alive or even people who had a stillbirth yeah. And and 
And, and thank you for bringing this up because I've heard a lot of women who've experienced that feel like unseen, right? Like feel right. like like unseen is the best word, word I can come up with. And there's an opportunity for you to let them feel seen. Yeah. And let them know, you know, I know you loved your baby in a special way because you had a relationship with your baby that we didn't get to experience. And for that, I'm deeply sorrow because I, I would have loved to have that opportunity mm -hmm. and know that I, I know his or her life still was mm -hmm. and matters. And I'm with you, right? Like just, just make that person feel seen and remind yeah. them that that life, just because it didn't come out into this world as we know it, didn't mean it didn't exist or wasn't important enough. Right. And, and honor them because many times I believe that one of the things that brought me the most peace was keeping her memory alive. Yeah. And sometimes that was uncomfortable for people because it meant I'm talking about her when people are like, oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I say? Or I'm celebrating a birthday that never happened. Or I'm, you know, I'm honoring her and keeping her presence in ways that other people feel maybe a little morbid or weird. Mm -hmm. I know someone who would put a plate during dinner time on the table every day for oh. that, that child who was missing. And that was her way of keeping the memory alive, but it may be uncomfortable for other people. Yeah. So, so just, just going with the flow, like if that person wants to celebrate the birthday mm -hmm. a year later, even though they never even had a birthday, yeah. I think we get, instead of judging them and thinking like, oh my gosh, I need to get over that. Or, or yeah. like, wow, this is a little morbid and weird. Like instead of judging, we get to be curious and open to like, well, is this yeah. how they feel supported and seen and loved? Right. Right. And, and watching my mom grieve the loss of dad and they were married 56 and a half years before dad passed. We put his stocking on the, the fireplace wow. every year, which is awesome. They used to light and they got an anniversary candle for their wedding as a big, a big giant wax candle. They would light it once a year since dad passed. She can't make herself do it. I've asked her a couple of times, do you want to do this? And she's like, no, I don't want to do this. And then I just let it go. Yeah. This is how she chooses and I respect it. But um, yeah, that can be really hard. And so, yeah, you have to respect the way that other people want to grieve too. We've got less than two minutes. We're at about two minutes to our next break. I want to ask you this. When is it appropriate to discuss death with children? And how do you handle it? Sesame Street handled this really, really well. I don't know if you ever saw the episode where Mr. Hooper died and they had to explain to Big Bird what happened. It was beautiful. And y'all, it's a, <laughs> it's a five minute segment. You should look up um, Big Bird, Dr. Hooper, death. It, it, it's really awesome. But how do you explain death to children? I... I have a video on this if anybody wants to learn more on YouTube. Okay. Okay. Um, I, when is the right time? Yesterday. I think, mm. you know, death is another one of those taboo subjects we don't talk to children about. And the truth is, it, we should. We should talk to children and be honest about it. So my children naturally are very familiar with death. They understand death in, in their core. And every time somebody reaches out and, and asks, like, what should I tell my children about death? Or when should I talk? Or should I go to the funeral and let them, you know, see the, I'm like, yes and yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Death is, it's the only thing we know for sure, right? Like death is a natural part of life. 
Mm-hmm. And if we allow allow our children to, to have a good relationship with the possibility of death, then they're going to be more prepared when these things happen and they're going to be more welcoming and more more capable of experiencing one of the most important parts of rising of adversity, which is acceptance. So talking about it and even incorporating faith, if if that's a core value for you, mm-hmm. I use that the, the talk of of death to bring heaven and our values and our and our beliefs to our children and to help them connect with that deeper truth so so my children are not scared of death they embrace it and they accept it as as a natural part of life absolutely we will come back after our final break this is success profiles radio please stay with us don't go away and go ahead and get dr betsy gear's book it's called hurt to hope and it's the number two hope hurt to hope we'll be right back The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. With the newness of spring, it may be time to change up your workout. It's always a good idea to cross-train, but there are also times that you need to change the way you work out. If you've been doing the same thing in your exercise for a while and your results have seemed to stall, it's time to change things up. Making little adjustments can add up to big gains. If you lift light or moderate weight, why not lift heavier weights with less repetitions? Shock your body and get the results you are after. If your daily walk is not giving you the outcome that you desire, try doing cardio intervals. Walk for three minutes, then run for one minute. Repeat this sequence until you've completed at least 30 minutes. The calorie burn is much higher, and it's good for your body and mind to change up your workout. I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Dr. Betsy Guerra, and we are talking about processing losing a loved one and the next thing i want to ask because christmas is almost upon us the holidays can be so hard especially the first one how do you help your clients get through that very difficult time of year so there there's something about anticipation mm-hmm. oftentimes the anticipation is way more excruciating than the actual experience and yet 
maybe the reason it's so is because it's prepared you for the experience. So as my clients are coming up, like are, are getting close to the holidays and they're experiencing this fear of like, oh, I can't be with it without him and Christmas and open gifts without them. And, and I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And like in that process, we, we feel the feels ahead of time. It's like that, you know, that, that process of processing and, and, and going through the journey before you actually have to go through it. And that processing heals and it also prepares you for possibilities. So for example, one of the things that we, that I recommend is that you find the way to honor your person during that holiday, right? So instead of like trying to avoid the feeling, why don't we like confront it head on and bring it, like just bring it up. And, you know, sometimes that's through um, a conversation that like they're, you know, they're cheering for, for their their new years or whatever they're experiencing at that time or they're at dinner and they're blessing the food and they want to do a toast and they bring up the person and their memory. Sometimes it's that, it's that way. Other times they choose to serve as a way of honoring and they go participate in a toy drive or they adopt a family in the name of the husband. And then they, they the husband in, in the case of the person losing the, the, the husband and they come and they, they honor that loved one through service by doing an act of kindness for others. It, sometimes it's like I mentioned before, you put a plate on the on the dinner table to to honor them and, and you have a minute of silence or say a special prayer. Mm -hmm. So just just instead of avoiding the person because you're trying to the person, the memory because you're trying to avoid the feeling, I think you get to embrace it and make everybody a part of it so that everybody has the opportunity to hold space and support you in the journey. And, and usually those everybody's I'm talking about are people who are also going through it. So it's it's healing for them as well. So I, I would say, feel it, feel it. Feeling is healing. I, I wish I could tell you, do this so that you don't hurt. But then if I rob you of the hurt, or the pain, I'm also robbing you of the growth and the resilience and the, you know, the rising above it. So I would say embrace the pain yeah. and allow yourself to feel it mm -hmm. and honor yourself. Like don't force something because other people want to you to do something or, or go somewhere, right? Like many times the family feels like, no, we need to distract her and she has, to, we have to do a party here and we have to get together there if the person says you know i, I don't feel like doing anything okay yeah, it's okay it. yeah. it's okay to allow them that that yeah. space and and that freedom yeah. to to experience it experience yeah. the christmas or the holidays as they desire to exactly when my dad passed i was told by everybody the first year would be the hardest and they were right what was that like for you oh my goodness so my hardest was thanksgiving Thanksgiving oh. is my favorite holiday and it, it was, you know, shortly after her passing and my family, my family is all over the place. And that's the one time a year we know for sure we're going to be together in Georgia at my brother's house. And it was, it was dark, Brian. It was so dark. I literally spent hours in bed in a dark room that had no windows, which is, which was exactly how I felt inside. And, and I remember not 
knowing what to be grateful for, even though there was so much, I just couldn't see it. I was in that darkness. So that, that was painful and healing. I allowed myself to be in bed for hours and I allowed myself to be miserable and, and, and my family allowed me to. And, and ever since I've, I've recovered my love and joy for Thanksgiving, it's, it continues to be very memorable and special. And then Christmas was very interesting because I had decided, and we go back to decision, Mm-hmm. I had set the intention that for Christmas, I was going to show up for my husband, but especially mm-hmm. for my other children. Yeah. So for Christmas, I decided I am going to wake up and, and just, I'm going to use the grace of God within me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, to like, to show, like experience the joy of Christmas. I believe in, you know, I'm, I'm of Christian Catholic descent. So yeah. I, I, that's my background. So I believe in Christmas and you know, I, as, as I said, it was, and then some, because I set an intention and that changes everything. I did mm-hmm. wake up with joy. I did show up for mm-hmm. my children. I did enjoy and sat with their excitement yeah. and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful, beautiful family day. And then at night mm-hmm. we went to mass, my husband and I alone. And when we were at church, I heard the priest like he was super excited talking about the birth of Jesus and he was yeah. so happy. And I remember thinking like, how can you be so happy about this birth knowing that years later he was going to be like killed and abused. And like, like I was thinking like, you know, how can I be happy on my daughter's birthday when I know I don't have her anymore or she's going to die? Like, of course, Jesus had a better, you know, ending. And as I believe my daughter now will. Right. But, I, at the time, I remember like interpreting everything in the filter of, of, of the pain and where I was at mm-hmm. and then going f- and then just bawling in my husband's arms. Just, I was just crying and crying and crying. But then I had the awakening of a desire to experience that same joy in the birthday of my mm-hmm. daughter, yeah. knowing that, yes, less than three years later she would die and her love would remain forever because love transcends death and you probably know that from your dad like your yeah your dad's love and 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 legacy remains way past the body going away so 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 in that in that moment i had that awakening of a desire like i want to feel that joy and i should say that 10 years later I I launched my book on December 3rd, which is my daughter's birthday. Mm. And I, and I, the first words that came out of my mouth were, I ten you know, seven years ago, I wanted to feel joy when my daughter was born. I wanted to celebrate her life as opposed to dwell on her death. And here I am Mm -hmm. celebrating the birth and the life of my daughter and her, you know, her birthday was this weekend and I continue to have the most beautiful, peaceful days and moments because I chose to honor her in that way. Yeah. So grief coaching is a thing, right? Absolutely. Yes. Tell us about that. Tell us about that. So people think like when people think Oh, it's the pain is too raw. I'm not ready. What are you going to do for me? You can't bring my part, my person back. 
like people think like what is therapy going to do for me very much right. like we as entrepreneurs i thought it at some point like what is coaching going to do for me my coach is not a therapist she does and boy was i wrong mm. i and started i started business coaching seven years ago and i've never looked back i invest a lot of money time and energy on coaching for my for my business and mm-hmm. for myself because i believe in in what coaches what coaches do is is they expand you they say that god doesn't give you anything greater than you can deal with but we mm-hmm. tend to think that what that means is oh god's not going to give you a bigger cross than you can carry but mm-hmm. it doesn't just apply for the negative brian when mm-hmm. when we hear god doesn't give you what you can deal with it's it also means he does not give us the blessings the success the possibilities that we're not ready to yeah. cope and deal with and right. in entrepreneurship as in grief like mm-hmm. you you you're not able to receive healing success possibilities mm-hmm. if you cannot fit them in your mindset limited mindset in mm-hmm. your perspective and in 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 your business even right like all these opportunities that could come you can't you can't handle them yeah. so what coaching does in general is it expands you yeah. so that you can fit these new possibilities and yep. coaching for grief looks very much the same we yep. were first of all we're there to be the person who's willing and eager to hold space for you in that discomfort mm-hmm. of pain yep. and without telling you to be stronger to get distracted or to not worry about it to not cry mm-hmm. we hold that space which is very powerful in and of itself yeah. and we and we support you in providing guidance so yeah. that you may seek possibilities so that you may pursue acceptance so that you may surround yourself by the right team mm-hmm. that's going to elevate you and it's almost like when you're grieving you you're not thinking you're not it's hard to process to think to make decisions really hard yeah. so we're there to guide mm-hmm. you in helping you make those decisions that are going to determine the rest of your life and the lives of those who you're responsible for like your children yeah, yeah. so so coaching to me i don't live without coaching i walk the talk right i believe in the importance of constantly being elevated and mm-hmm. expanding to fit in new possibilities and opportunities fantastic so as we wind up the show how can we find you how can we try with you and vibe with you my my social media um is better with betsy and that's everything it's it's linkedin it's I'm sorry LinkedIn is Dr. Betsy Guerra. It's um Instagram, Facebook and betterwithbetsy.com is also the website. So every life is better with Betsy, I promise. All right. So. Sounds wonderful. But Betsy, thank you so much for being here. It was an honor and a privilege to explore this topic with you today and my audience. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Please join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn along the way. Thanks for joining us. Until next week, take care everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host Brian K. Wright. Each week we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. 
We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.